Welcome to Damsels in Dialogue, a podcast dedicated to female protagonists in fiction, film, and the stage. Co-hosted by Katie Zutter and India Marie Paul. For our inaugural season, we will be focusing on eight animated heroines from Walt Disney feature films. This episode, we are off to Neverland with one of the world's most beloved fairies and Disney icons, Tinkerbell. Let's talk about Tinkerbell and where she came from. Yes. Her original origins. You want to start us off with uh, a little bit about the original Tinkerbell? Oh, yes. Uh, So (laughs) Tinkerbell was (laughs) created by Jam Bar. Jam Barry, excuse me. (laughs) And I, I really enjoy fairies and I enjoy Peter Pan and everything. And it seems that he took a few things from like traditional fairy lore Mm -hmm. when he made her, but then also made Neverland as a whole kind of his own entity. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was a little harder to try and compare her to modern women of the time and things like that, because she's like truly a different species. But that's I mean, that's kind of why we like her so much is she's, you know, yeah. <laughs> she, she's a fairy and she's magical. and She's fun. But yeah, she's uh, from Jan Barry's Peter Pan. Uh, the play then uh, turned into the story and is the main character's essentially sidekick throughout the story and is a fairy, but they often mention pixie dust. But I think, like I said before, Neverland is kind of its own system, you it know? It was its own world. Like he really built a mm-hmm. world. And I think that's kind of why it's lasted so long is that it oh, is totally. its own. Like Neverland is this world of imagination that we all have been to, according to him, or have seen at some point in our young lives. Right. Whether or not really, we remember. Yeah. But I think that's really kind of magical, which also is, I don't know, imagination is really such a huge part of the story, even more so than in Disney's version. Just the fact that I think he mentions that Peter imagines he's eaten and that's enough for him while yes. everyone else is starving. <laughs> so. Yes. Oh, there's so many things with with um, imagination and even how he describes, I think we we talked about this before, of the, the mothers coming in to tidy up their minds. Yes. Like what, what a creative concept. It's like, not only does mother take care of you physically, but she takes care of you mentally and sorts out everything. Mm -hmm. Like (laughs) he does, like he mixes the real with magic so much in that book. And the play was first. And Mm -hmm. actually Peter Pan showed up in 1902 in a short story, I believe, or a a collection of stories called The Little White Bird. And that's the first time he kind of first emerged and... Uh, He was initially inspired by the, I'm going to hopefully say this right, Llewellyn Davies family, which is where you get like the movie Finding Neverland is kind of supposed to be about his inspiration Uh, for Peter Pan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was this family, it was a single mother and a whole bunch of boys. And like there was a Michael, there was a Peter, I think there was a John too. So he's kind of taken those. And what I learned from the wonderful book, Tinkerbell, An Evolution by Mindy Johnson. It's beautiful, and I really recommend it for anyone who wants a deeper dive. But what she quoted was from Barry himself. He took a lot of notes when he was building his fairies, and he also, I think, put this in the introduction of the original novel, I believe. But he stated he was on a trip with the boys because he befriended the whole family. And he said that one of the boys actually inspired Tinkerbell. That she came straight from one of their adventures. So even Tinkerbell had reached our island before we left it. It was one evening when we climbed the wood carrying number four, who was Michael, because he Mm -hmm. just gave him a number, to show him what the trail (laughs) was like by twilight. 
As our lanterns twinkled among the leaves, number four saw a twinkle stand still for a moment and he waved his foot gaily to it, thus creating Tink. So his actual inspiration for Tinkerbell came from his adventures with these boys where Hmm. a little twinkling light stood still for a second. So it's really Which interesting. Is very that, much how he describes her in the story. Yeah, so. it is that kind of twinkling light. And in the play, the only thing you could really do is the beam of light. Because mm-hmm. it was 1904. Even like even right. now, it's really hard to transfer oh, a yeah. five-inch <laughs> No, I've, <laughs> I've been stage. Peter Pan a few times. And every single time, she has been a very cute laser beam. Yep. <laughs> Yep, <laughs> that's all you really can do laser pointer. to bring that. And it's magical because you don't of really course. know what she looks like. No, and she's constantly moving around. She's constantly buzzing. So for the kids, you're like, yeah, because even Wendy has a hard time seeing her and, mm-hmm. and seeing what she looks like because she's truly flitting around. <laughs> I think she's like the size of his thumb, I think is how she's described. So it's like this mm-hmm. five inch, if that little creature and she is still mischievous in the yep. novel and in Disney's subsequent film. And that's kind of, that I think came from fairy lore. She's much nicer oh, totally. than any folklore <laughs> yes. I've heard from fairies. Yes. <laughs> so there's that element too of She's her. also prettier than some yes. fairies and pixies because a lot of, you imagine the, the higher courts to be pretty, mm-hmm. but as you go down, the court system of the like seely and unseely, they mm-hmm. get more and more whimsical and magical and earthy. Mm-hmm. Whereas Tinkerbell is is very much a tiny human with wings. Yes, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was this kind of picturesque, mm-hmm. pretty female. Even though I think Pan describes her as common. I mm-hmm. wanted to ask you about that. Yeah. Yep. Okay, so in the original play, because mm-hmm. I remember you had mentioned that to me, and I was like, wait a minute, that's rude. Granted, I do, <laughs> personally, I do give Peter Pan a lot of credit, only because he's like eight. He has the mentality of an eight-year-old, so sometimes yes. I'm like really mad at things he does, like forgetting Tinkerbell all the time, mm-hmm. like forgetting that he locks her in that, that cabin. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I'm like, oh, he's eight. What what eight-year-old remembers anything they've done that's not in front of their face? <laughs> like, yes, okay. that is true. <laughs> still, he's still not the best, but I think that's kind of the point. He's supposed to be super, super flawed. But... He says that she's common. Ah, so the way that he says common mm-hmm. is that she's gotten really grumpy with with Wendy and like flitted off and and she's like, oh, I wanted her to be my fairy and she won't, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, which is also funny because like, Wendy, you've you just met her. Like, yeah. Like, Slow down a little bit. Good try. <laughs> and Peter's like, nah, she's just like this. Um and then talking about her because they had just had a full, they like, Wendy's been like berating Peter with questions. Mm-hmm. And he says, oh, she's a common fairy. But then it immediately follows. She fixes kettles and pots and things. Mm-hmm. So my question to you is, is he referring to common as, oh, what a, just another common fairy. I, you know, I've, I've dime a dozen. <laughs> or, <Yeah. laughs> or is he saying common in that she has a, a trait or a quality like her rank or um mm-hmm. you know like lots of them are menders so not that she's yeah. not special to him specifically but that she's just this is the most common of their species i, I think know. yeah i don't do think, think he meant it maliciously by any Still- means i don't think he means anything maliciously even if it comes out so it does it come was, out a lot <laughs> you know but i think it i i think he was re- also referring to 
she probably is a lower tier fairy in the world. Uh, Barry doesn't really go into the huge world other than we know that fairies apparently have an orgy and leave Peter alone when they come back from it. He <laughs> slips that into the book. So I, I feel like that's fair game to say. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a little shocked. It's just like one sentence and then we kind of move on from it. You're like, okay. Okay. But... It's, you know. Which that is like traditional fairy lore. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of a thing. So, like, he sprinkles that in and then goes, oh, wait, this is a children's story. Excuse oh, me. yes. <laughs> when I was doing, when I was researching Peter Pan, he, his initial notes for the play, because he wrote the character in the little short novel as like a, a side thing that kind of flitted and people liked him. So, he right. wrote the full play in 1904. And in his notes, he called him, Peter Pan was the original villain. He was called like a demon boy in his notes. Checks out. It totally checks out. <laughs> and in the original play, Tinkerbell was named Tippy Toe. Yes. Yes. I, yes, I did know that. <laughs> it's so, and it's crazy. And it, and it was, Tippy Toe was pretty set, which is a fun thing to say. Like, Tippy Toe, like, trips off the tongue, you know? Oh, yeah, of course. They decided to add a tin, a tin bell that was typically used with Tinkers for her sound effect off stage, And so they kept queuing for the Tinkers bell. And they kept saying it in rehearsals. And so... They ended up naming her Tinkerbell, and it goes back to her mending pots and kettles. It like mm-hmm. kind of all fits in uh, in the time period that Barry was growing up in Scotland, because he was born in Scotland, and then he went to school in England, and I think was kind of settled there. Yes. And he would have been in a village where a tinker would come around to each village with his little cart and his little bell and mend all the things that needed mending and trade stories and all of that. So it all kind of like it really fits when you think of the her background, too. So oh, the fact that it was totally. tippy toe and then Tinker's Bell, I wonder if he wrote the new name and then made up her backstory about mending. Ooh, true. Like, I don't I don't know which one came first, but she yeah, might not have been described that way in the play. I haven't read the original script. Yeah, me me neither. But it is interesting that this Tinker, as we talk more about this, we'll go in depth on mm-hmm. Tink's evolution. But like you said, the mischievous doesn't change throughout mm-hmm. all of her evolutions. And so does, or neither does rather, her, her tinkering. Yeah. That ha- is always a large staple in her as a character. Yeah, that it definitely that is. It started from that. <laughs> yeah, it's her name. It's who she is. It's a very... Mm-hmm kind of straightforward naming thing and it's so funny to me the thing she's tippy toe because she doesn't really even tiptoe around no, anything she barely walks <laughs> i don't it's a cute name i guess but i don't oh, it's know super cute another fun fact before we move on from the play is that barry was terrified that people wouldn't clap when because okay. there's the in the original that's, play that's a real fear yeah. though mm-hmm. yeah can you tell people like who haven't seen the play on stage or who haven't I haven't seen the original play, but what that what is that moment? So there's a moment, and this is not in the movies. No. Um, not in a lot of the movies, but in the original story and in at least the plays that I've done, there's a moment where Captain Hook takes this fake medicine, this play medicine that Wendy has given him and poisons it instead, hoping that it will then kill Peter. Tinkerbell finds out and he's not listening to Tinkerbell, so she takes the poison instead and dies. And that is a huge deal that is <laughs> obviously mm-hmm. and this is one of uh, Peter's more redeeming moments is that instead of just deucing and going <laughs> to save Wendy and the kids mm-hmm. he first saves Tinkerbell and mm-hmm. by doing that is fairies are and he explains this very early on in the 
the story too, that fairies are born of children's laughter, Mm -hmm. their first laughter. And so ideally, there would be a fairy for each child, human child, but that's not always the case because the second somebody doesn't believe in fairies, a fairy dies. Mm -hmm. So vice versa, if you believe in fairies, you can save one. Mm -hmm. So in the play, Tinkerbell dies and Peter Pan just asks the audience directly to clap to save Tinkerbell. And uh, in the novel, they were able to, because it's a novel, so they don't have yeah. to rely on the audience to like save Tinkerbell. Like kids who were sleeping in their slumber clapped, mm-hmm. I believe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, you know, very magical and powerful there. But yeah. it is it is always, there is always a moment of you're mm-hmm. like, oh, will you help save Tinkerbell? Everyone clap. You have to believe. Clap. And you're just like in your heart being like, please clap, please clap, please clap. <laughs> and um, I have to tell you, there was one moment mm-hmm. where I said that. I said to everyone like, do you want to say Tinkerbell? And this one lone child in the audience goes, no. Ooh. And Ooh. I'm like, let's clap. And then everybody else clapped. You okay, know, good. Except for this one child. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. That, was, that was a little terrifying. I'm like, oh, no. This yeah, is going to be the moment. <laughs> I can't imagine. And Barry's first opening night audience would have been like aristocrat. Oh my gosh! For yeah, this and that's not something they would do. So he's terrified. We're talking 1904 <laughs> England. You know, it, it's 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 a little scary. So apparently he prepped the pit because they had music for it. So they he prepped oh, the pit to clever. clap in case. Clever. But he was relieved when they didn't have to because apparently there was thunderous applause. <laughs> so it's like it's really sweet. And what I learned from Mindy Johnson's book about Tinkerbell is that because she worked with the animation archives because she's like a dramaturg animation expert. It's amazing. It's a really wonderful thing. And so she found out that Walt Disney cut that moment because he didn't feel that it was with the medium. That makes sense. It doesn't. Arden's participation doesn't really work in film. No. (laughs) <laughs> that's not really the the medium for it. Um, I will note that when I watched it, because I, I, you know, read the book and then I rewatched it, I was like, they just don't explain that she's still alive. No. He just is like, you mean the world to me, Tink. Like, I'm going to save we, you. And, and then, then the next scene, she's, she's fine. <laughs> It's just, there isn't like, there isn't a moment of him seeing her and her getting better or her being no. okay. You just see this like flickering light and then... You jump to the pirate ship. Right. Like, why didn't, like, that would have been a really fun moment. Because I think in the book, he describes it as all of the kids just in their Mm -hmm. sleep started clapping. Yeah. But then you had mothers and nursemaids all running into the room to see what was wrong. But by then it was too late. Tinkerbell was already okay. That wouldn't have been a long scene. And and maybe they wanted to give that suspense of, you know, does she survive? Who knows? It was, yeah, it was so... It hit me harder rewatching it because I was prepped for that moment. Oh, yeah. And I went, oh, we just, we're just ignoring it. Okay, cool. Tinkerbell's fine. Now we're saving everything. And she in the book disappears after Mm -hmm. that moment. She comes back in the book at the. To take them home, right? And to take them home. Yeah. But But she's not part of the heroics. No, I don't think so. And even, even the taking home, she doesn't have any more lines she doesn't mm-hmm. have it's it's all just like sidekicky moments of yeah it was peter and tank at the window and yeah. then peter and tank headed off you know yeah as she kind of disappears from ne- mm-hmm. necessity i guess right. would be the term for it and i do have to say that my favorite thing about the book is that her catchphrase is you silly ass oh my gosh and she says it <laughs> so often literally at one point wendy's like yeah i think i agree with her because it says in the novel that she says it so many times that Wendy no longer mm-hmm. needs translation for it. Mm-hmm. 
Yep. Wendy's like, yeah, checks out. <laughs> it's her catchphrase. And I just, and it, she says it as she's dying. So it's like this ironically funny, weird catchphrase. Right. She like, says it in so many us. different circumstances. <laughs> so I love that that's her catchphrase. I think that's probably also why people ended up falling in love with her as a character because yeah. she's sassy in a time when you're not supposed to be oh exactly yeah it's it felt so modern like i'm reading this 1911 novel just going how she's, how did that pass it's oh it just cracks me up like so many different uses for yep yeah she scolds him with it mm-hmm. she she's rude to wendy with it mm-hmm. she teases him with mm-hmm. it like it's just mm-hmm. <laughs> It's really just a great catchphrase. I should start like putting it into my, oh, you silly ass. You know, like it just sounds, <laughs> it sounds very like. So, so professional. So <laughs> a little, little uh, uppity, a little fun, but also so like enough to say ass. Children. You know, like I don't. Right. <laughs> it's, what a great children's book. <laughs> yeah, murder everywhere. And right. It's so funny because this book, there's moments of, you know, he started having some chin hair. So Peter just killed him and we walked away and it was yep. fine and nobody thought about it again. Like, yep. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think novels were a little bit darker for children back then. Yeah. The grim fairy tales are super dark. So there's a history of dark children's stories with some kind of moral. I don't know that this one has a clear moral. I no, think it's more I of think- like a rumination on never growing up or the desire never mm-hmm. to grow up. Right. For for kids, I think it's a just a fun escape. Yeah. And then as as you get older, you see Peter Pan for the flawed character that he is. Mm-hmm. You know, so as a kid, you're like, I will stay in Neverland forever and I will never grow up. And then you get older and you're like, growing up is not that bad. Yeah. Well, that's why I think it's interesting that he originally started as this like demon boy villain, but yeah. that Barry acknowledges that he's not perfect. Right. Exactly. In his research. And yeah, I think it the his flaws are real and Tinkerbell's flaws mm-hmm. are very human. And I think also that's why we kind of connect with her. He describes her as only being able to have one emotion at a time. I love that. Like yep. it's literally she's so tiny. She can be filled with only one. Yeah. Which <laughs> is really kind of pure. Yeah. <laughs> in a way, like you just feel the rage all at once and there's no nuance <laughs> in it at all. Which is not how Disney takes it. I think Disney actually makes her very nuanced. In the book, she pulls from emotion to emotion. But in everything else, her emotions are a little more valid and complex. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's not just, I'm jealous because I can be nothing else right now. Yeah. Which is still whimsical and fun, but... (laughs) Yeah, they they made her more human-like. And I think that Barry definitely used her as a really fun version of fairies. Because it is his own. Like I don't know that I've ever heard of an origin story like this. Maybe it's just I haven't researched it enough, but it's a very unique version of fairies. I think I pulled the quote of how he physically describes her is a girl called Tinkerbell, exquisitely gowned in a skeleton leaf, cut low and square, through which her figure could be seen to the best advantage. Yes. (laughs) She was slightly inclined to embalm point. I probably... I, I can't that. say that either. No, I, I it, sounds, it sounds fancy and I maybe it's embon point and that's it. Or it could be French. No idea. But essentially means the plump or fleshy part of a person's body, in particular a woman's bosom. So he's made her sexy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like 100%. Low cut. Shows off Which a figure. Interesting in a world where mm-hmm. everyone is children. I think it's it's 
I don't know if it's another one of those fantastical elements of like things that you wish you could be, you know, you wish you could ride elephants one day and then fly Mm -hmm. the next and kind of like Peter. And maybe maybe that's one of those or Mm -hmm. or it's just someone wanted a a nice looking lady. I I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. And it's hard because that's also a time period in which I mean, this is right after the Victorian era. I think Mm -hmm. technically it's the Edwardian era and it's women were still seen as possessions and right. to have a job would be considered not decorum and lower class for them i mean this is corsets still full right. covered ankles the whole you know neck down thing i sometimes you show off some some chest in some of those dresses yeah. you know but it's still like she's described as being scantily clad in a leaf so. well i was interested by obviously it still is form form fitted mm-hmm. gown but if she's the size of thumb mm-hmm. roughly and leaves can be almost your palm if you get a good mm-hmm. size leaf mm-hmm. and the way it's it's square across so i'm like okay it's like a mm-hmm. cut across fitted i get that but the word gown kept triggering me i'm like mm-hmm. it's not it's not like he said dress or tunic mm-hmm. he said gown and gown to me reads as a gown like a yeah like, like an actual like, like maybe her feet are not covered like your feet are fully covered type of a right it could have been a and, and not that she'd be in a cupcake ball gown i mean it's a leaf but no. you know but <laughs> but something yeah that that's so it was confusing to me the square top and the gown turned into a the tiny heart tiny suit size yeah so i just was confused like obviously it's still sexy yeah um and also her her features changed because Mm -hmm. if we are figuring out that word right yep he he says that she is more blessed up top Mm -hmm. as opposed to her hips yes i have research on that (laughs) i'm very excited i'm ready i want to know so i guess we can move into disney's so this let's talk about the origins of disney's version of tinkerbell which really solidified her and something that stuck out to me when i was reading tinkerbell and evolution was that disney really knew that his version of tinkerbell was important because she had only been seen as a ball of light there was a 1924 film but barry hated it (laughs) Because right. he wanted to change the story to fit film. He's like, oh, if I'm going to do it, I'm going like I'm going to use film to its fullest. He, it was which is really profound for yeah, a creator. That makes sense. Right. So they ended up just making it the stage show and he hated it. That's the only time that Tinkerbell was seen and was really short. And I don't think she was given any dialogue. Disney knew that animation it. was going to be the first time you can see Tinkerbell fly. In a human-like form. So he knew, like, he knew the weight of it. They actually started developing it in 1935. It was supposed to be the second feature film after Snow White. Oh my gosh. Walt actually played Peter Pan in a school production. He, <laughs> he is quoted saying about this, No actor ever identified with the part he was playing more than I. So he had... <laughs> I mean, also, yeah, yes. Exactly. <laughs> it makes a lot so of sense. It makes so much sense. And he saw it for the first time when he was 12. He saw the stage play in 1913. Oh, wow. So he, he's, him and his brother went to the theater, spent their little savings, and saw the play, loved the novel. It became really evident to me that it was important to him. So it explains kind of why there was delays. I think there was also delays. They had to get licensing. And I think Mm -hmm. the wartime kind of stopped some development and things like that. 
That's classic, though. I, I feel like so many stories, as as we have more episodes and talk about more uh, mm-hmm. Disney stories, so many of them came from Walt yep. that he had thought of decades ago mm-hmm. and just was trying to work through how to make it real. His mind is insane. It's insane, <laughs> but it, like, it, has, it shows an appreciation for yeah. the original stories in a way that I think kind of gets tossed out sometimes. So I... As much as people have, probably have other feelings about the Disney Corporation itself, of course. what I appreciate about Walt Disney was that he honored, he tried really hard to honor the stories yes. to what he believed was the best way to do it. Right. There obviously oh, was a whole bunch of other issues in Peter Pan that we won't get into. Uh, <laughs> we'll talk a little bit about it, but we'll we'll save that for like other discussions because we're going to focus on Tinkerbell. But they started developing and thinking about it in 1935. And it didn't come out till 53. So a fun fact was that Tinkerbell's development was the most expensive to date pre-production wise because they she went through so many iterations when you're paying different artists to try different things. And she didn't exist. You're creating something out of yep. literally nothing. You're creating but- something completely new. They did oh, fairies gosh. before in the Nutcracker suite in Fantasia. So they did. Yeah. That was the first time they kind of like had done fairies. And they also changed the seasons, which connects to yes. future Tink- like the new version of Tinkerbell. Pixie Hollow and Disney Fairies. That was like, oh, click. Fairies <laughs> have a world in Disney. Maybe in Barry's notes he talked about it, but uh, never in his like novel that he discussed no. that. So Walt is quoted saying in the first place, I was unwilling to start until I could do full justice to the well-loved story. So he knew that he wanted to treat it really well. She went through a lot of different iterations and there's some beautiful pictures in the book, Tinkerbell and Evolution. The war kind of put it on hold and they went back yeah. full force in 51. So they went full like we're going to do it. And I think 51 is when they kind of restarted it. And Walt decided really quickly that it was going to be a human-like form. So he said, Tiny Tinkerbell also is a definite transformation for the screen. She is a completely feminine person, jealous, vixenish, in place of a disembodied fairy. She has always been on stage represented by a beam of light. Mm-hmm. So... He, of course, uses like the stereotypical phrases for like jealous and vixenish. Oh, yes. Uh, This is the 50s and she's not the homemaker. So she has to be. The jealous woman. (laughs) The jealous vixen. As quoted by Captain Hook himself. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. I wrote down that quote and I went, oh, that's. That that didn't age. (laughs) That didn't age well (laughs) at all. But he did manipulate a woman in distress. So he's the villain. So I guess we can give him that moment. <laughs> um, but what was making me think about all this, I kind of went on a, a tangent here, is the bosom thing. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. there's a lot of different quotes and I don't have to read all of them, but they're trying to find this balance with Tinkerbell between child and woman. They really are trying to figure out how to do it. Um, one of the, I think it was Bob Carr, when he was developing Tinkerbell, he said a second peculiar source of feminine love interest could come from Tinkerbell. Since she is so small that she is immune from accusations of immorality, why can't she be quite a spicy little character? She flits with Pan, is jealous of Wendy, and Barry's original. If we go just a step further, have her posture and daring costumes and burlesque feminine wiles, she can supply the missing touch of something the adults are used to in movies. Anytime she is on the verge of seeming sexy, we can cut quickly to a general shot showing that she is no bigger than a hummingbird, and those who come to gloat remain to laugh. Huh. And that quote hit me because it really 
I read it before I watched the movie, and every time yeah. it gets on the verge of being a little too much, they do that. They cut yeah. back to a different scene, or they cut back and show she's just a little ball of light. Right. So, <laughs> so that was thought through, that they huh. wanted to make her sexy for, like, the adult part of the audience. So is that why they, they switched it to her hips? To still make her sexy, but not... The, so inappropriate sex? I think that was part of it. And Mark Davis was the actual... So it went through so many iterations of development. And then mm-hmm. Mark Davis was the lead animator on her. And he designed her from the waist up as a child and as the waist down oh, as a woman. Oh, interesting. So that's... They literally balanced it by just huh. splitting that's her so in funny. half and making it that. <laughs> So I mean, it checks out. And also, if you yeah. if you give a character, especially in those earlier time periods, that's like classic kids comedy is mm-hmm. like a good kick to the booty and falling on your butt, mm-hmm. and, you know, butt jokes and yep. aggressive yep. Uh, attacks and hammers that and... doesn't actually yeah. do any damage. Like yeah. those, those yeah. kinds of things are just like classic humor. So then you could play with that. Mm-hmm. And still make it children fun, but spicy, as they said. Yeah, it's a yeah, it's a. They knew that she was described as sexy, but they didn't want to make her mm-hmm. too sexy. So they they just kind of did a half and half, which right? Gave her the pear shape, which is a legitimate state for women, because I definitely oh, am a pear shape, and I uh, appreciate that about her, <laughs> which is probably why I like gravitated towards her. <laughs> but it's really interesting to me that they were so conscious of the sexiness they were putting into her. That they were mm-hmm. making her a love interest and playing with that. And this is in the 50s yeah. where, you know, the being a wife and mother and being like the picture perfect homemaker was kind of the expectation of women. So you also have a character right. speaking her mind in a way that wouldn't really fly. And you also pans the child. So the, it's it's not like she's saying that to... Though she talks to Hook right. in the same kind of in the, abrasive yeah, in the way. Movie, yeah, yeah. yeah. When she demands he doesn't hurt Peter, she's playing by different rules and it, you're almost kind of getting to live out that power or that agency in an interesting mm-hmm. way because she's a fairy. Wendy right. is still very much, you know, speaking her mind a couple times, but ultimately d- going along with things. And yeah, it takes her a bit to stand up to Peter enough. Yeah. In the movie and in an, like enough to leave. Yeah. Whereas... When Tinkerbell, you know, speaks her mind. (laughs) Yes, she does. And that's and it goes back to her catchphrase of like, you silly ass. So she's written Mm -hmm. as this very blunt character Mm -hmm. originally. So they transferred it. And I mean, she's given an incredibly short dress. It's so short. And some moments I'm like, oh, that's, you know, it's funny. They do give her full booty shorts and they're not Mm -hmm. they're not like short little bikini, like Mm -hmm. her whole her whole butt's covered, and yeah. there's those cute moments of where she gets locked in the drawer, and and that mm-hmm. hits two points. When she gets locked in the drawer, is one point where she has a valid reason to be angry. Yes, um, she's locked in this drawer and can't get out, and it's not she's not jealous of anybody. She's mm-hmm. she was just shot in a drawer. <laughs> she was shot in the drawer. I'd be little. Yeah, I'd be pissed too. <laughs> I mean, right. So you have that. So that's changed. But then mm-hmm. you also have that moment of her trying to get out the the keyhole mm-hmm. and that was one of those moments that i think you're describing where for a while it's really funny because yeah like, she, it's you know your classic kid humor of like i can get Stuck out in oh, the my thing. Can't yep. get yeah. out. Like, yep. you know? yep. and you have the full shorts so it's not like 
mm-hmm. inappropriate, but then it goes on for a bit and you're like, what? And then it cuts right when it went yes. too far. That's that was the I went, oh, there it is. That's the moment of like, yeah. OK, this is no longer funny. Now we're looking at our butt. And mm-hmm. then like they jump straight out of it and remind everyone she's in a tiny drawer. Yep. <laughs> it's interesting to me that they thought through that. I'm happy that they did. Oh, Absolutely. But it's just an interesting thing to, like, have written down in some record of someone saying, like, (laughs) consciously being like, we're going to make her sexy. But when it gets too sexy, we're just going to pretend that she's a fairy and it doesn't matter. Right. (laughs) That's the the part of that quote is that that she is incapable of immorality because she's so small. I'm like, well, that does not check out. No, (laughs) no, 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 sir. (laughs) But because she's a fairy, they could get away with more things. And Barry did, too, when he wrote it. So it's absolutely it's just an interesting expression. And there were women who were working on Tinkerbell, too, because something I do appreciate about Disney animation is that the entire ink and paint department was pretty much all women. There's a lot of women. It was harder for women, of course, to move into those animation spots because you had the nine old men who are brilliant artists, you know, in their own right. But Oh, yes. However, and, however it was harder for women to move up into those male spots. But he yeah. still hired women right. and appreciated the artistry that they did because it was not easy. No. And he sometimes went out of his way mm-hmm. to hire women. The entire ink and paint department was known to be women. And that was women working with women and women in managerial positions. Minnie Johnson was on a, a podcast and mentioned that there is a woman who was not satisfied with the way the paint was working and the environments they had because they were in L.A., I believe. And it would dry up or like the humidity was weird or it wasn't working right. And so she got a chemistry degree or like went to chemistry school. And uh, I love that for her. (laughs) And then just and created her own kinds of paint. It just blew my mind that this is happening in like the 40s and 50s. So it was really nice to see that. Walt also had an appreciation for women which I think also plays into giving Tinkerbell a voice. And then mm-hmm. there obviously are problems with lots of lots of the movies and the time period. Yeah. But, but it, he really it's, loved it's also... Tinkerbell. Like right, he, right. He, he really loved her. And I think part of it is that she spoke her, her mind. Maybe that's imprinting ideas onto Walt Disney because <laughs> I know him so well. <laughs> but, no, it's, you know. but it's good. It's, he liked to push the boundaries and, and try to make things very forward. And that does cross over into the movies where mm-hmm. every rendition of her changes. Before we finish the Peter Pan movie numero uno, mm-hmm. <laughs> I wanted to just mention a few more things because, you know, we talked about the the jealous woman and yes. Hook manipulating her, which was very believable. Like, yeah, I, I, I got she that. She was legitimately distraught. Like she was yeah. banished by such a toxic relationship. And when she pushes the bomb out of the way, this time watching it, I started singing Bruno Mars's Grenade in my head. And I'm like, it's purely a one-sided, unrequited love it's, it's, dramatic I mean, situation. Like, they they do better. And we'll talk about this in the second one, too, yeah. with Peter. But yeah. in the first one, I read it very much as an eight-year-old. Yeah. He's still a little kid. Even though he's drawn a little older. He's drawn to be like teenage age, which I think was like teeny bopper 50s. Right. Which is strange to me because even I mean, like you can get away with all these things he does Mm -hmm. and not be as angry with him because he literally is not there yet mentally. (laughs) Like, Yeah, they they stretched it with how old they drew him. I think they should have made him a child. Yeah. And then the second one, we'll we'll, we'll get there. Mm -hmm. But the first one. 
with Tink specifically, there were a couple moments where I loved her agency in it. I liked that she was mm-hmm. given a little more screen time. She was drawn really cute. The things that I questioned was the costume that we talked about, where yep. it went from a gown that was straight across, mm-hmm. but still figure hugging to a sweetheart mm-hmm. tunic <laughs> shirt. Um, so that was interesting. Um, but then I wanted to ask you about, mm-hmm. well, two things. One, one thing that I didn't understand why this happened because it didn't have to. In the book, they talk about how Pixie Dust just gets everywhere. And that becomes yes. canon throughout the rest of the series. Mm-hmm. And like every other moment with Tinkerbell, mm-hmm. Pixie Dust just gets everywhere. <laughs> yes. Which is, which is very funny. And so when Peter flies in the window, he had to carry Tink part of the way because she's tiny yes so he has it all over his hands so when he has that moment of oh yeah i didn't give you any picture dust so yes why he like takes his hand and like blows it yes on yeah whereas in the movie which i thought was strange is he picks her up by the wings mm-hmm. and spanks like her. hits her butt like yep. yeah spanks her like why I, that was a weird choice to me was, like you couldn't uh, just like well, that's what Michael does. Michael just yeah, Michael her. grabs her. Yeah. Oh, I was like, ooh, that's rude. But Michael's also like two. So. You know, forgivable, just a little bit of an it's idiot. Like, come on, Nana's going to yeah. come too. And she's tied. Okay. Oh, poor Nana. Ugh, <laughs> been through so much. But yeah, like why? Like There was other ways to get that pixie dust than hitting her butt. So that should be, yeah. once again, because in this first one, they made Peter Pan so young. Yeah. Mentally, like. I think they probably I thought it was funny. They with it. You know, yeah. it, it probably goes back to like the, yeah, the, the butt, butt humor. joke that didn't land. <laughs> it didn't land. It didn't age well. But they also didn't let, let it sit on it very long before no. they zoomed out. So it was True. that moment of like, I think you knew. Just that, that was a weird choice. You didn't do it. You her and her like, like skimpy little head, dress. Just, yeah. Or just like even just shake. shake or just ask bit. her for it. I don't know. Because she was resistant. So she's also like, I don't want to give you pixie dust. And he's like, doesn't matter. We're Not still okay. going. You're just jealous. Yeah. Doesn't take no <laughs> for an answer. So that's also toxic. It's a very toxic relationship and she deserves yes. better. I really have questions about why she leaves Pixie Hollow if we're going to put this all together, even though the timeline does not match. No, we have. I have. Yes. <laughs> um, but one other match. thing I wanted to talk to you about, because yeah. that also doesn't make sense. But um, yes. Uh, just before we move on to the second movie. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. So another moment that I wanted to talk to you about was yes. the mirror moment, because I know yes. we both in preparation for rewatching the movies and everything. We had both brought up the moment where she checks herself out in the mirror, kind mm-hmm. of. That we had remembered. Mm-hmm. And upon rewatching it, how did you feel? So I have opinions as well. I I was actually surprised by my feeling because I had read, I finished reading the evolution before I watched it. And it hit me harder that Tinkerbell has never been seen as a person before. This is the first time that a famous fairy has ever been seen. So she starts as a ball of light outside of the window, which I'm like, oh, that's mm-hmm. smart because you you show people Cute. that she's still the ball of light that everyone's yep. seen on stage. Introduces that. Beautiful. Cute. And then her first appearance is saying she didn't find the shadow, but it's very quick. And then she flies by and she gets a full turnaround, here I am moment. And I initially was like, oh, they're doing like the vein. It's kind of funny. Like you see yourself in the mirror and check it out. But it hit me a little bit harder realizing that this is the first time that we've given Tinkerbell a full form for people to recognize that they're probably literally just showing off this is what Tinkerbell looks like. Right. But it's a, it's a <laughs> moment of letting the audience see someone that they've read about for so long. And so thinking about that, it felt a little less like, let me just show off how sexy I am. It feels more like an introduction to her. And the hip measurement moment does not last nearly as long as I remember it lasting, but 
it hit me more as a very woman moment. So I don't know who told the animators that we do this or if they watch their yes. wives or what, but it's a very woman moment because we've been trained to measure ourselves against, you know, the ideal, the hourglass shape. So when she puts her hands on her hips and she doesn't really judge herself. I also noticed that the facial expression was kind of like an, an acknowledgement of it, but it wasn't like deep sadness or depression after. Mm-mm. So it it I thought I was going to be more upset by it. Because I originally thought, oh, is this a moment where kids are introduced to thinking about how big their hips are? But it goes by so quickly that it feels like it's just a setup for the keyhole. So I took it as very similarly introduction to the character. I thought it was a very cute introduction when she sits down. And it is described in every iteration of her that she is beautiful. Yeah. Um, and that is something that she prides herself on. And she she does, even in the new stuff, occasionally mm-hmm. use her beauty for things. Um, mm-hmm. Never malicious, but no. still just like, can get away with things because I'm yep. cute. You yep. know? Um, so having that little bit of vein, mm-hmm. like, but it wasn't it wasn't overpowering. It was mm-hmm. just like, she's feeling herself. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It was more like, <laughs> well, oh, I see that. I feel that. <laughs> right, right. Now, the hip moment, I took it as mm-hmm. she's standing. She's standing on the mirror. Oh, it's a horrible position to look yourself close. Yeah, which is a terrible position. <laughs> One thing I did appreciate, you never saw and you see her shorts a lot during yeah. the show. You do not see them. They could have done an up the skirt shot. Yep. Because she's standing in a mirror and they don't. And I was yeah. like, thank you. They like mirror it thank perfectly. You. They don't even like morph her that much. No, yeah. no. So and the thing that I thought she was doing was looking down and things that are closer to the mirror mm-hmm. appear larger than they are. Mm-hmm. So I thought she was like, oh, no, are my hips that big? Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, it's fine. They're not that big. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was. A, I was my echo memory of the story was much worse than oh, yeah. it actually ended up being yeah, so this it was, was kind of a relief I, right and like what you said that's something everybody does how many times do you have to retake a selfie because you take one and oh you're like oh why is my nose huge it's no like, it's not it's here, the same size like, as always yeah it's like, <laughs> it's I, just like I, the I, angle <laughs> that you're at and it's, yeah it's, right. it feels and like she absolutely had that moment <laughs> yeah she had the like that's a really good point of like if it is closer than they appear that you have that like freak out of like wait a minute and it's a very human thing so it gives her this like full scope of personality like that's a lot of feelings to have at once so they just threw out that one feeling at a time completely and so you see her and we talked about this earlier but it's worth noting that in this sequence there are multiple close-ups of her reacting and being upset. So there are multiple times in which we see her get more and more upset with the situation because she thought it was like, get the shadow and leave. Mm -hmm. And now she has to deal with this girl liking Peter. And for whatever reason, she's very possessive of Peter, which is a human thing to be. It's not necessarily that healthy, but it's a toxic relationship. So there you go. He's not great. She's got flaws. The whole thing. But I think it's worth noting that it does build. Like that there is, Mm -hmm. she does pull Wendy's hair and she does end up trying to kill Wendy, which is a whole, It's you know, it's not great. It's not the best. But it also comes from play. Yes. Once again, all of this comes from play Mm -hmm. because what's different about the book than the movie is that a lot of it is more play. Peter Mm -hmm. Pan does not kill anybody. When they do die, it's not real. (laughs) They have, they play fight all the time. So some of those things I think they don't even think about. Yeah, because there are no consequences. Mm-hmm. So they don't know that anything they're doing is wrong. Tinkerbell 
truly doesn't doesn't know that killing Wendy is not a good idea. But yeah. also, there is a lead up in the movie mm-hmm. that there isn't in the book. In the book, yeah. they describe it by just she's just jealous and that's it. Yeah. In the movie, you have all of these moments of okay. Well, first Wendy forgets and locks her in a drawer, and she's already yeah, upset with her because. <laughs> This lady just locked me in some way. <laughs> I can't yeah. get out. So first she's locked in there. Then she gets ignored because they're catching up, understandably. And then Peter Pan not only is taking this other female character mm-hmm. with him, which that's kind of her role, mm-hmm. but then also gives her a job immediately. Yeah. Like he immediately he's like, you will tell stories. You will be our mother. You'll be the mother to everyone. You'll be great. And now this girl has not treated her well from what she can see. Mm -hmm. She's now replacing Tinkerbell from what her opinion is. Yep. And then when they start to kiss Peter, she's like, that's not okay. That's my Peter. Yep. You know, so it's like there's there's much more built up, which I appreciate that yeah. Disney did. It, She's it put way more her. years into this relationship. She's going to be the one Peter falls in love with. <laughs> you know, like it's right. It's it's just it, yeah. There's there's more there's more to it, and then you have poor Peter who <sighs> truly no is a child and has yeah. no idea because his mind is so he's so selfish. Yeah. As as selfish as cocky, the cockiest boy in the world, I think is what yeah. Barry describes him as. Yeah. He's he's just a little self-centered child, yeah. which can be really entertaining to watch and enjoy, but yeah. not not be best friends with. I think that was also an issue with them making him a teen, because he looks like he should know better. Yes. And that's and- Do you mind if we step over to yes. the second movie? Yes. Let's step that's over to the something that I didn't movie. like. So this is Return to Neverland in 2002. Yes. yes. Some mm-hmm. things I thought they did they did really well. They developed Jane really well. Wendy was really, really charming. Mm-hmm. So was uh, the brother. The story was very cool. I enjoyed yeah. the, the set and everything. The two things that bothered me about it that relate to Tinkerbell, Peter Pan suddenly was an actual teenager. And I didn't like that. Yeah. Because he was he had a lot of actual sexual tension with, with Jane. Yeah. Which was strange to me. Because then also Tinkerbell lost a little bit of her, I don't know, agency or her... Uh, Just personality. She was so... Yeah, she lost it. Jane comes to the island and she immediately hates her. There was no reason behind it. Yeah. They and have she doesn't not want set her Peter. up as love interest. She doesn't want to be there. And she, no, like, <laughs> it, 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 it was very strange to me. I'm like, why? In some parts, the movie was great. Mm-hmm. But in other parts, I'm like, why did you... Make him an adult, which was not an adult, but I, I don't know. It just was strange. And I like my notes. That's it. That's yeah. it for Tinkerbell for yeah. Return to Neverland because it just she mm-hmm. lost a lot mm-hmm. of character. Yeah, I feel like they were playing off of who she was in the first movie instead of actually acting. They just kind of copy and pasted what she did to Wendy to Jane without yes. actually thinking this is what Tinkerbell would think right now. Yeah. And it... It seemed cheap. It seemed no one actually yeah. put in some thought to her. I did like seeing her and Jane befriend each other and help each other out. Like, that but was the really thing nice. with that. For me, it didn't feel like she deserved it. Only yeah. be- and by she, I mean Jane. I mm-hmm. don't think Jane deserved Tinkerbell to all of a sudden be fine because she almost killed her. She knows the stories her mom tells her. Yeah, she, she knows everything about it. Mm-hmm. And to look the fairy dead in the eye and say, I don't believe in fairies. You just killed her. So that yeah. that kind of bothered me where it seemed I did like that they befriended, but I yeah. didn't think 
that she deserved it as much as they gave it to her. That's true. And I will say that in both movies, Tink comes to the rescue. And something that I, I meant to mention in the first development section is that one of the things that Disney decided to do with Tinkerbell is to balance her temper with acts of heroism. Ooh, I love so, that. And you can see it. You can see it. And because she becomes far more active in the end of the, the movie, saving, like after it, she saves Peter, which is a huge mm-hmm. act of heroism that kind of balances out the more tempered and negative And things. not even just Peter. But every time that something happens to Peter or happens to herself, her first reaction is, but the boys. Yeah. But Wendy. Mm-hmm. But Jane. Yeah, she it's... says, when, save Wendy. Like, that's a mm-hmm. thing. Like, she actually says it. So there is that side of her, of that heroic side that makes her such a great character. And she does end up helping, like, fight the pirates and oh yeah, and all of that, which is really fun. It was a conscious act of balancing that anger with heroism to make her a little bit more of a lovable character and a, mm-hmm. an important character. Because she does save the day. And she saves the day with Jane yes. in the second one, too. And she's this tiny oh, yeah. female, like, attacking, <laughs> like, <it's laughs> attacking these group of pirates i love it it's a really kind of beautiful thing and i love that tinkerbell's banishment is gossip in the first movie that smee's like i heard that yeah tinkerbell like it's gossip so everyone knows her on the island and that she yeah did you notice in the first movie that she was watching the camp when she was caught so even though she was banished yeah she was still following peter around Mm -hmm. to make sure Mm -hmm. he was okay so it's yep, this. She's not actually, she doesn't actually leave. She, yeah, she she's just out of sight. And something on her that they did well, I think, mm-hmm. before we leave Return to Neverland, um, just because there wasn't much about it. No, there really like, wasn't much. Kind of covered was everything. But... for no reason, and then she was the hero. Right. And it was weird. She hugs but Wendy. I, at the that end of the movie. that is what I, I didn't mind because to me, I really liked when she came in and was like, oh, Wendy. When I first watched it, I'm like, that's weird. Why do you all of a sudden like her? But yeah. then I thought about it and I'm like, wait a minute. They they did at the end kind of make up a little bit. They weren't they were not BFFs by any means yeah. by the end of the book and the movie, mm-hmm. uh, Disney's movie. But they were on good terms. Yeah, they were on like speaking terms, if you will. So then <laughs> yeah. she comes back, <laughs> and now Wendy is no longer a threat because she's a grown ass adult. Yep, and Wendy herself is like I'm staying and I've grown up. So it's it's yeah. kind of this moment of, huh, I haven't seen you in a while. Like, yeah. I don't know. I, I didn't mind that as much. I, I don't mm-hmm. think they're BFFs because I think yeah. Tinkerbell has a little better sense of time than Peter does because Peter's like, oh, it's been like 30 years. Yeah. But I thought it was two days. What do you mean? Where I think Tinkerbell has a better sense of time. Yeah. <laughs> and I do think that if purely her problem with Wendy was not that she was a woman, though every single woman is pitted against each other in the first movie. Every single yes. one. So that was like Tinkerbell round one. That's Tinkerbell this round one. <laughs> round two is when Disney kind of rebranded. Is Completely what, rebranded. I would call it. Yeah. To the Disney fairies. And yes. there were different amalgamations of the Disney fairies mm-hmm. throughout. There were some drawn cartoons with totally different characters. Mm-hmm. Um and such but then this is kind of their big ticket which is now the disney fairies franchise is very similar to the disney princess franchise yeah they're their own units you can go to pixie hollow at disney and meet 
Tinkerbell and at mm-hmm. least two other fairies, usually Silvermist and mm-hmm. one other. That is the rebranding. Yes. Is now. All of these movies are the Tinkerbell where they poorly tried to tie it in to the original story. Yeah, they just, well, that, my biggest <laughs> issue with the series, and I really like that they did it. I think they, the world they oh, created was really series. cool. I mean, it started with publications in 05 and then the first origin story in 08. I think it was smart because Tinkerbell needed to be kind of introduced to the new generation because she was on everything. She was so commercialized. She became an icon because she was on the TV show, became everywhere in the parks. She is one of the most recognizable characters from Disney. Yeah, she really is. And I think something I read in the evolution was they were trying to figure out who was going to help host the television stuff because he really wanted to expand into television. And Mm -hmm. a lot of the big characters already had licensing agreements with stuff. There were voice actors to deal with, but Tinkerbell didn't need a voice actor. So she became the perfect symbol and they gave her a wand. And then she started like, there's no wand in no, any of the movies. In anything, any, any of them. There's no wand. So it was strictly like for television thing that she gets a wand. And even that's fed into the princess stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You you buy your crowns and your wands. Yeah. Even though the, the princesses don't have wands either. <laughs> she was on everything. She was apparently like, they helped sell peanut butter, like Peter Pan peanut butter. She was in the commercials. They really mm-hmm. kind of, put her into pop culture right after the movie came out because that's also kind of when they were doing more of that. It even came into, she fed into the adult, probably because she's very relatable to Mm -hmm. adults figure-wise, her Mm -hmm. looks, because they are very mature. Like, look at the the early princesses. They're all drawn tall, thin, Mm -hmm. not much of a figure. Mm -hmm. And then you have this full-figured, full-figured lady, outspoken lady. She, She, you know... When I was a kid, you could buy stickers of her at the fair. Yeah. <laughs> you know, people get have tattoos of her and, mm-hmm. and adults really, really enjoy her. So she's one of those characters who hit a lot of markets. And yeah. so I think it was very smart of Disney to take her popularity and rebrand it to kind of reintroduce her to kids in a more kid-friendly thing. Because it has become an icon well. for like adults before yes. this kind of took off. So in 2008... They released, it was Disney Toon Studios. So this isn't the animated thing. It was very, I think it was for TV, for straight to VHS or DVD by that point. Aging myself. <laughs> I think most of these are. Most of these are yeah. either straight to a streaming service or mm-hmm. a DVD, depending on when it came out. <laughs> yeah. And here I made a list of things that ticked me off about Tinkerbell, the first movie. So I think they didn't know who the heck Tinkerbell was because they had to, for the first time, give her lines and give her most of the lines. Mm -hmm. And And they wanted to change it. mm -hmm. I think they really they really wanted to make her a modern woman, Mm -hmm. if you will, Mm -hmm. appealing to a younger audience, but also didn't have the budget to do as much. So I I would I would agree. It's (laughs) I. So there, there is that. And I think they didn't find her, I think, until the second movie which is The Lost Treasure. So there's like yeah. seven of these, I think seven or eight, six to eight. I don't know. There's something in there. No, there was supposed to be nine and there's mm-hmm. only six. Six. Okay. So there's six yeah. of these things, which is a lot for any character to get. So she's already Wait, appeared five? in two movies. and there's... there's five plus the Pixie Hollow games. Yeah, yeah. So six total. I think. Yeah, I think they planned to have like nine or something and then they, they stopped, which also is fine. There's still a lot of movies. Yeah. But anyway. There's a lot of movies. And I think they didn't, in my opinion, they didn't know how to make her quick-tempered, and they didn't know what sassy meant for children yes. because you couldn't make her that adult humor because it's about mm-hmm. her. It's not about, like, Pan and Wendy had yeah. that, like, This child, is supposed like, to take place before 
yeah. Peter Pan has met her. Yeah. And so you couldn't make her like a sultry character because you're rebranding her for children and making her the main yeah. character in it. So I think they really, they made her very selfish. Yes. There's, I wrote so, down so many, <laughs> I wrote down so many things that upset me. Uh, and, and she she's skips cute. out on it's... the first day of work. Mm-hmm. Like that she does, she does things without consequences. She shows up in this movie in the middle of the queen trying to get stuff ready for like a huge moment in their pixie cycle. And just is like, hey, look at me. She's two days old and she's like, I'm the most important thing in this moment. Let me talk to the queen. And she's so mean to everyone. She has no consequences. There Mm -hmm. are times where she owns up to to doing things, but she never she apologizes once. Mm -hmm. And that's what bothers me about this. Yeah. She apologizes once in the whole show. And it's to Queen Clarion after she's ruined, like destroyed spring. Mind you, prior to this, she's already done everything you've said. She's also (laughs) threatened the entire Pixie Hollow with a hawk. Oh, yes. Yep. Um, She's been super rude to every single friend that Mm -hmm. she has. Mm -hmm. You think it would have been like an orientation day because she does not know what's happening like at all. But even then, (laughs) Clank... Clank and Bobble try. Yeah, that's true. But she, like you said, ditched first day. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> it's Clank so, and Bobble try to be like this is what we're doing. Yeah, and it's it, it. So for people who haven't necessarily seen all of these, it's it's this world in which Pixie Hollow is every fairy has a talent, and so hers ends up being tinkering, which she immediately decides it's lesser than because she doesn't get to play with water or change the light. No, she doesn't get to go to the main. Oh yeah, land. yeah, yes. And then, then it's she doesn't yeah. get to go to the mainland. Which yeah. also is kind of BS. Do I believe that everything that is made never breaks? No, I do not. No. So, like, I, I have... The world itself is so many rules that then they decide is inconvenient, so they break them in the series. And they series. change throughout the movie, the yes, series a lot. That really bothers me, that they built a world and then immediately changed it and then went back on what they then said. That bothers me as far as world building, and it seems like yes. you could have been more creative in your writing. They probably were just like shooting these things out really fast, but still. We'll talk about Lord Millori oh, yes. later. Yes. We'll get the, I really like that movie of but anyway, them all. When- but the first one is troublesome in that she seems to be someone who is very young. So I guess she is just born. <laughs> I think I wrote down, yeah. you're like two days old. Sit your silly ass down. Because she says, <laughs> because she says, there's got to be more to my life than pots and kettles. And I'm like, you've been doing you, it for you, two li- days? you literally live in a kettle. Number one. One. Number <laughs> number two, you've been two days old. You don't know anything. It's so, yeah, I, it, it was that moment when you watch Little Mermaid and she's like, but daddy, I love him. I love him. And you're like, as an adult, you're just like, oh, <laughs> so, <laughs> so young. And I just, yeah, that there was that moment of, there's got to be more to my life. And I'm just sitting there like, you don't even know. You haven't even given it a chance. You just decided it was bad and lesser than. Then you tell the other tinkers that it's bad and lesser than. Make them feel like crap. Don't apologize. And, and they still help tink- you. Go tinker. Build something cool. Your friends come and support you and try their best to be like, look at how great you are. And then you are super rude to all of them. Yeah. She never apologizes to any of them no. for any of that. No. And that makes me so angry because in the second one, yes. which is next, yeah. we have a, this, a sweetheart of a character mm-hmm. where they show that they know that's wrong because yeah. at one point he like has an outburst because he's frustrated, yeah. understandably so. He has an outburst and then thinks about it and goes, wait, you know, that was rude. I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. But this is why I'm feeling this way. Yeah. 
oh, so you so you know. You yeah. know yeah. how to do that. Oh, Terrence is great. So the second movie is Tinkerbell and the Lost Treasure. And here's where I think they realize they messed up in the first one because yeah. she has the epiphany that you needed in the first movie. You have that where she's short-tempered, but she lasted longer with Terrence than I probably would have if I was working on like this huge project and someone was cleaning True. up things right next to me. But, but also <laughs> my question is why didn't she say anything? Because he truly is so sweet. He has mm -hmm. no idea that he's being annoying. And instead yeah. of her either actually letting him help mm -hmm. with things, which she didn't do, no. or saying, you know, hey, Terrence, I appreciate you, but maybe you should wait to come until the afternoon. Yeah, what? I need some space. Her communication <laughs> skills were not on point. Which is annoying because Terrence was trying so hard. Yeah. Terrence was trying so hard to be communicative yeah. and she was not. And now that he's perfect, he's not. No, I mean, he he was trying too hard. He was just trying too hard. He was. And, and he we was. love him for it. I will say the men in this world are not toxic. They never question women leadership. They have a queen. He's mm -hmm. he's just trying to help. He never says Tinkerbell can't do it. He really is there no. to like, what do you need? They really think they did a good job at that relationship. And I think and outside of mm -hmm. Tinkerbell, mm -hmm. everyone is supportive of each other. Yes. You know, regardless of gender and everything, it's it's that is your you yeah. you are a you know water fairy and doesn't matter yeah. how or why you all have the same job. Like <laughs> yeah, and it, it's female friendships really. That don't you don't get to see that very often in Disney movies. Usually it's one female against all the guys or that she has a love interest. So you don't until you get to right. the later Disney movies, you're not really seeing real female friendship. I think what they got right was her having the flaws that she had in the first movie, but that the whole film she learns not only that she can take help, but that yeah. she is in the wrong with her temper sometimes. So mm -hmm. she has that epiphany moment that you I really wanted in the first movie and the subsequent films after that. Right. She doesn't really have right. that element. They make and fun of her hard. temper, but you don't really see it again. Right. No. And it's frustrating, too, because what I didn't like until almost the third movie. Yeah. Yeah. Was that why does Terrence like you? Like, why? Why? Yeah. Why would Rosetta and Silver Mist and everyone Mm -hmm. Why do they want to hang out with you? You you do nothing but be rude to them, yeah, or completely disregard them. Yeah, like there's there's not much of the likableness between her and other characters. That does change yes. a lot. It, it does turn into the girl group that we all yes. wanted. <laughs> it is, and it's a, the second movie sorted out what happened and made her a better person. Like you saw her grow. She gave credit to Terrence and Blaze for helping her with that mm -hmm. instead of just taking all the credit, which I thought was really big of her by the end yeah. of it. Oh, we were going to talk about her costume, how they kept it. Yes. I was so confused. Yes. I will say what I did think was helpful was in the first movie, she made it herself. So yes. she did have the agency of choosing to make oh, it this tiny... <laughs> This tiny mm -hmm. leaf dress again. And they still did. The, yeah, they still did the callback. And mm -hmm. it's cute because the other fairies, you can see, too, they all have mm -hmm. some sort of leaf flower petals. Yeah. They use similar materials, which is fun. Mm -hmm. And I like that they did the callback to the little tunic-y dress mm -hmm. to make her still super recognizable. But I just don't understand why they were like, they had the foresight to be like, oh, we'll make the dress longer. Mm -hmm. Great. Cool. She still has the shorts, but you almost don't need them because she rarely shows them. Yeah. It's great. But then why does she have so much side boob? Like, <laughs> so, like, like so much. Like, no. Oh, no. Even in the original thing of it, that's mm -hmm. not 
It's not like that. Like, why? I just don't get it. It's really just like cut straight down right beside the armpit and then curves back instead of going past the armpit and then down. Because, you know, make some room for the wings. Could they have figured out how to get the wings to be cut out? Sure. A lot of the other characters and then later, the wings go through the shirts. Yeah. Like that, but you know. None of the boys have open backs. That's true. I understand the need to stay with the familiar dress. I do. Oh, totally. Totally. But it, it does seem like in some of those initial movies before they gave her the, the bandeau top. But that's only for one. The bandeau is only for part, part. No, we have one movie. All the times where she has the different costumes, yeah. it still is only for part of the movies. Yeah, it's like never Lost Treasures is cool adventure outfit. So I understand needing to stick with like the, the icon and not messing yeah, with it. Yeah. Especially when you created and the icon. And making the dress longer. Yeah. That was very smart but it to make it a little more appropriate for kids. Like it could have just like a strapless dress gone like right around. Yeah. You why know? didn't it just why didn't it just look like the original top with the new bottom? And it would have been Yeah. It, yeah. Because <laughs> then it would look like how the they wear it at the Disney parks. Yeah, like the just it goes straight back, which totally makes sense because they like stick the wings in and but the, the some of the photos that you sent me were it was it was like cut down to her waist, and I, and if they did put oh, boobs on her anatomically correct, they would have been out. They would have been, been out the side, side boobed out for sure. So. I just couldn't believe it, and and now it's all I think about. I'm like, why, why, when you had you had the choice, and maybe that's just like the inner costumer in me, where it's yeah. like that could never be built yeah. in the way that she has it built. It would have to be a completely taped on hard constructed corset yeah with a laid on which would be difficult and then taped to the skin yeah and then like it wouldn't have that look of whimsical easy movement that she has okay the moment that i was scared Mm -hmm. was when she is asleep and this is still in this movie lost treasure Treasure. yeah she's asleep and then terrence at like oh director in the morning is like good morning i brought you something to drink and you're like ah this is too early yep and she rolls over and it looks like she's naked yep the way the blankets are, she looks naked. And then finally she sits up and then you see the top, the re- like the actual dress. And you're like, you couldn't give her pajamas. I just had a heart attack. <laughs> it seems like because they were having the foresight to update her, that maybe they would keep yeah. the iconic dress, but you're not worrying about the side boob as the adult in the room. It's a cartoon. It's fine. And, like kids aren't going to notice it necessarily, but it just seems like you could have taken a moment. You know? Yeah. Just gonna, just gonna someone had to, me. because we're not putting stuff on people, someone had to consciously right. draw or animate where that went. So mm-hmm. you could have taken a moment. I don't know. Strange. It's Well, yeah. um, well the rest of the films, that. so there's like four other ones mm-hmm. <laughs> with this. Yeah, yeah. And she, the Great Fairy Rescue is yeah. nice. It's cute. It, 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 there's no real moral to it. It she You see a side of Tinkerbell, like they've given up the temper thing and just made her super annoyingly curious. Which is fun. Yeah, they still, they tease her about the temper and she has those little moments mentioned. But I think she really came into herself in Mm -hmm. The Great Fairy Rescue because Mm -hmm. she started caring for people other than herself. Yes. Is what I wrote Yeah, Yeah. Because she's very selfless with Lizzie helps her learn to be Mm -hmm. more because she sees what her father is unintentionally doing to her. Yeah. And then from this movie on, she is more willing to be kind to her friends. Yeah, she becomes a voice of reason Mm -hmm. to Fawn and Never Beast. And she kind of becomes a voice of reason to Serena, who's trying to do similar things in the Pirate Fairy. And it feels like she grew up. Tinkerbell, by the end of the series, I think, is a really wonderful leader. Oh, yeah. But that opening was rough. 
They got her eventually. They got her um, eventually in that you are introduced to a whole slew of characters that are female. And that you do mm-hmm. see them be friends in the pirate fairy. You see them learn to appreciate each other's talents, which is really cool, especially because... Oh, that was fun. I really, really yeah, enjoyed that. and Tinkerbell wanted to be something else, and now she is, and it's chaos. Like, it, it's... Right, right. There is that kind of element you to it. You give Vidya the tinker. Yeah. And and I love how there were there are moments in every film, mm-hmm. which I think is fun, except for the first one. Mm-hmm. There's, there's moments in every film where there's kind of this call out, this... Not quite breaking the fourth wall, mm-hmm. but being very self-aware. Mm-hmm. For example, Fawn and the rest of the fairies start to laugh because they realize before Vidya that she's a tinker yep. and know that Vidya hates tinkers. Yep. Not not hates tinkers. She hates the tinker talent. She just yep. likes it. She doesn't think it's as, yeah. as worthy as her rare fast flying talent. But then there's a moment in The Great Fairy Rescue where Lizzie is like, oh, they changed the seasons? I thought it was because the earth was tilted on its axis and its revolution around the sun. And I died. I died. So and they have those kinds of moments Mm -hmm. kind of sprinkled in, which is fun. It calls out a little bit to the play almost. Yeah. That you have this stage and it has that little interaction with the audience that isn't really an interaction, but kind of. Yeah, like we know know that science exists, but... (laughs) Right, right. Make it fairies, but also the fairies. Um, it's <laughs> which really is really cute, cool. Yeah. Like, I, I I enjoyed that, and I enjoyed that for Tinkerbell, and she does grow as a leader. She's still curious. Mm-hmm. The the pirate fairy was a really good girl movie. Yeah, pirate I think fairy. it was the best crafted movie of all of them. The pirate fairy. I it was the it only one without a narrator introduction. It had the most callbacks to the original movie. It also wasn't Tinkerbell and the pirate fairy. Yes. It really because is, it's yeah. not about Tinkerbell. It is a group movie. Yeah, it really is. Because you get so much time is spent with the ensemble. And you get to know it. Like, you've gotten a glimpse of them. And they, mm-hmm. you kind of have to hook them into different stereotypes when they're that fast and small of interactions. So this is kind of the first time yeah. you see the girl group. And you see Tinkerbell kind of be mm-hmm. a leader. But that different people have to take different moments to lead. Right. You see a group of tiny fairies fighting pirates. You get to see forgiveness. Because Zarina did betray them mm-hmm. and then they automatically forgive her and you see her not expecting it. So, like, there's a lot of lessons in that movie, right. too, which I thought was important. I really like The Secret of the Wings yeah. because you have that a lot of yes. time is spent with Tinkerbell's sister. Well, also, the the Secret of the Wings was important for Tinkerbell as a character because that was the first movie where it wasn't her fault. Every yeah. other movie, which most of it she does not apologize for. Mm-hmm. Every big thing that happens is her fault. Like, yes, Vidya often kind of unintentionally gets her into trouble. But Tinkerbell, it's always, for the most part, Mm -hmm. her fault. Mm -hmm. And this disaster of Pixie Hollow being covered in snow was not her fault. And I was very appreciative of that because... I was sick and tired of watching everything be her fault and her not apologize for anything. Yeah, and that there's no consequences <laughs> for it. Secret of the Wings was the first one where she, it was not her fault. And that was yeah. really good because you could focus more. It was less about, oh, well, she screwed up again. Yeah. And, and more about her character development with her sister, which I yeah. really enjoyed. And they bonded over things that weren't necessarily stereotypical girly things. They like collected the yes. same things. They liked the same drink. And they also didn't get rid of the femininity yeah. either of some of these characters. Yeah. Like they still had, you know, Tinkerbell is still very vain with her her yes. like cute little coat and having the toe fluffs, the toe fluffs. Little pom-poms, um, yes. Right. I also enjoyed the little moment of the very obviously drawn pretty Frost Fairy, the boy. Yes. Frost Fairy. Yes. And then Rosetta's like, oh, like it was, you know, that was yes. still cute. We don't need like full 
love stories, but like yeah. Terrence and Tink are very yeah. cute. Having those moments are still very wholesome and cute. So they now are. we're getting into like what you said, the modern, you can have that agency, but still be feminine. Yeah, like this is kind of in the third... What I, I'm not a, an expert by any means, but what people are kind of putting it is the third wave of feminism, where in the second mm-hmm. wave in like the 80s, you're kind of rejecting girlish things, going the opposite direction to redefine what being a woman is. So you're wearing pants, you're being a little more of the boycott, right. all of that. And then in the third wave, which is pre-Me Too, Me Too is kind of its new, the new wave of things, yeah. is when you're kind of reclaiming the ability to like girly things and not be considered like less than for it. So it's kind of right. reclaiming the femininity and not seeing it as a weakness. You see that where they're allowed to be feminine. They're allowed to wear pretty things and have a little bit of vanity, but they're not any less oh my of a badass. Right. <laughs> right. Like Rosetta gets her hair cut off. Yes. During Pirate Fairy. Yeah. And literally everyone's like, don't tell don't her. Tell her. Don't Rosetta. Tell her. Rosetta's like very vain yeah. <laughs> as far as that kind of stuff. And, you know, that's still like a fun, cute thing. But she's still very strong. And Rosetta very often mm-hmm. takes that leader position. Yeah. And and not even as a this is what we're doing next, but more as a you guys are working too hard. Like this yeah, is this all makes way more sense if you do it like this. She's super um, smart. Yes, she's very smart. And Southern. We <laughs> talked mm-hmm. before about the fact that they really kind of went anti stereotypes with a lot of these side characters yes. consciously. Which I think was really cool. I do think, though, and this is just, it's not Tinkerbell's fault because mm-hmm. she becomes less of a main focus. Mm-hmm. The movies, because Secret of the Wings, I think, was really, really excellent mm-hmm. as a as a Tinkerbell movie. Yes. Great character development. Mm-hmm. She was awesome. And then the Pirate Fairy was very much, because it's not Tinkerbell and the Fire Fairy, it's just the Pirate Fairy. Yeah. So it that is their ensemble story. I wish it wasn't Tinkerbell and the Never Beast because yeah, it's not. It's not at all. It is She's... Fawn. That is Fawn's yeah. movie. Yeah. My question for that is Fawn changes a little bit in this movie yeah. and like Fawn takes over the Tinkerbell character, which is very confusing to me. But outside of that, yeah. I also very much enjoy that movie. I just was confused trying to, to tie in with Tink. I said giving Fawn Tink traits, yeah. which seems weird. Yeah. I just didn't understand why, why they did that. And then also mm-hmm. in every other movie, even though Tinkerbell is rude to everybody, at least in the first few movies, everyone rallies for Tink mm-hmm. in every movie. Mm-hmm. Even if she is rude to them, they're still in her court. They're still trying to help her, which is what we love about them. Yeah. But when Fawn needs help, deuces. Yeah, it was... They 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 leave her a bunch, and Tink takes a lot of convincing to help. Yeah, it, it, that one was rough. And the things they set up, I really think they just made Fawn Tink. I think you're right. And I think they did that for pretty much every movie that wasn't Tinkerbell. Because the pirate fairy, Zarina, was also called the Tinkerbell of Dust Fairies. So yep. it's this common theme of breaking rules, which... I could do without in some of the movies. There's yeah. other situations that could occur that aren't oh Tinkerbell gosh, breaking yeah. the rules. So right. that bothers me about this series is that it seems like every inciting incident is about someone breaking a rule. Right. And that's why I don't think they knew what to do. No. With- and, and the Never Beast could be so cool. Mm-hmm. I really enjoy that as an idea and a, mm-hmm. and a story, mm-hmm. like having this Never Beast that nobody remembers. But I just don't understand why. There's moments of Fawn, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of moments where she's just Tinkerbell. And I'm like, why, yeah. why do that? 
my guess is because it was Disney Toons, so it's for TV studio, and Mm -hmm. I think a lot of story development. I mean, it goes back to the fact that in the first movie, they flew through winter fine, and then in The Secret of the Wings, they couldn't fly in winter. Lord Malory doesn't exist until The Secret of the Wings, but he's been there the whole time. Been there the whole time. Because it was a a female (laughs) lord of winter at the beginning. Mm -hmm. Although, side note, the Lord of Spring makes me (sighs) cackle every time I see him. great. He was a good, yeah, the good worry war yeah. finicky character. Yes. It was good. The, some of the storyline stuff and like the world rules just like are convenient. So that bothers me about yeah. the Disney fairy series. The constant rule breaking as plot point is yeah. a constant that bothers me. But I think after they got through Lost Treasure, they did create a character that can be really wonderful. Yeah, you know, I think that it's a flawed character. But it's someone who does create things, which is different for a female character. Yeah. You don't see a lot of mechanics <laughs> as the right. lead. Ooh, you know. that was something I really, really enjoyed about mm-hmm. the uh, rescue, the Great Rescue, yes. the Great Fairy Rescue, is that she she became a mechanic that day. Yeah. <laughs> she figured out the inner workings of a car, mm-hmm. to which then helped her later. Yeah. Which I thought was cool, because that is very traditionally a, a more masculine thing. Mm-hmm. And it does so feed it into, cool. like, folklore of fairies fixing things for you that there is some some folklore surrounding the idea that fairies either cause problems or that will help you in the more right. the nicer version of the fairies but yeah i think it, it was an interesting rebirth of tinkerbell there's not as much diversity overall in the yes I, that's what i was gonna say it took them a long time to get more diverse mm-hmm extras if that makes yeah. sense during the the pirate fairy and legend of the never beast especially legend of the never beast you mm-hmm. saw it more because the scouts all look totally different yeah <laughs> like none of them look like each other yeah <laughs> which is really great you you want that diverse look even though they're fairies it's really nice to see different representations yeah you know so that's really nice it took until the last couple movies to see that representation of the girl gang yep reflected in the rest of the the group I think they found a great place. I'm sad that they've stopped. I think they were, it was time. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, 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 yeah. I think, I'm sure there'll be, Tinkerbell will show up again somewhere. Oh, I could see a reboot. Yeah. I could see things like that. But she she's grown a lot. She's grown a lot. Yeah, from overall, she's a pretty good character. She has flaws. Has her issues. You know, <laughs> she has the flaws, but I, I think the original Disney movie did a good job of balancing that. Compared to even the book, where she does have, like, the mm-hmm. one emotion at a time. I think she's someone who, from Barry's play, has inspired so many iterations of herself. Yes. And people want to believe in fairies. People want to believe mm-hmm. that there's something else out there magical. Something I was reading was that there's the fairy society, and each rebirth of it was kind of surrounded when Tinkerbell reemerged. So... There was a fairy investigation society formed in the early 1900s, which would have been... Is this like when people look for Bigfoot, but it's fairies? Yes. So that. it's that. <laughs> and they still, there are groups that still exist, which good on you for keeping that life in you. I hope you're right. I really do. Yes. <laughs> you know, it'd be great. There isn't a... a Fairy Investigation Society in the early 1900s that kind of faded out after a couple decades. And then it got a rebirth in 1955, which is two years after Peter Pan came out for Disney. 
So I feel like... I think not. I feel like there's a little bit of a rebirth every time that she comes out and people wanting to believe in fairies and wanting that to be a thing. And I, you know... What's interesting, I think, about Tinkerbell that helps make her this iconic character we know her is that because she's a side character, Mm -hmm. she really doesn't have that much to her, Mm -hmm. which gives you... And not in a bad way. Yeah. It gives you the opportunity to fill in the blanks. So I think a lot of people can take this framework of this beautiful, Mm -hmm. sexy, confident, outspoken woman and put themselves Mm -hmm. in her, Mm -hmm. regardless of age. They can fill out those gaps, Mm -hmm. which you can't do for main characters because they are so well developed and explained. And so I think that is another reason why adults like her a lot, because Mm -hmm. they can see themselves more in her yeah. Even though she is. She is just a, a little pixie. She is just a little. And they interchange pixie and fairy so much. I know that they're very oh, yeah. different it's, in it's different folklores, but in this, it's very but much. But in this, same. it's this, it's there. <laughs> they're the same. They're just all the same. I'm yeah. sure some fairy would be offended by that, but they can tell me. They can pop up and tell me. I think the faith, trust, and pixie dust. I want to leave with the fun fact that pixie dust was not actually added into the play until it had revisions because he constantly was revising the play after it opened because kids who had seen it were jumping off their beds thinking they could fly with just some happy thoughts. So Barry was told by parents that their children were getting injured. So he added Is that in, why he added that part? He added when did the Pixie Peter Pan forgets the <laughs> He added Pixie Dust being necessary to fly so that children all over England would not jump off of their beds. <laughs> Amazing. So this Thank famous you, like faith, Mary. trust, and pixie dust, which is such an iconic phrase. Oh my gosh, yeah. Only exists because kids were trying to fly. <laughs> and now it's become this like yeah. really powerful statement of love and friendship and uh yeah don't jump off the beds kids yeah like just imagining those parents writing barry like excuse me mr barry but oh the letters yes (laughs) um yeah so that's my that's my fun fact about (laughs) faith trust and the little pixie dust in the land second star to the right well this was really fun thanks for for listening i know we had a blast diving into Tinkerbell for our first our first podcast. We we navigated our way through it. We'll see. <laughs> Got some tangents in there. Only a few detours. Yeah, there's only a couple detours. I hope you enjoyed those too. Join us next week. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Danzels in Dialogue. Tune in next week as we explore the history and impact of another woman from classic literature, La Esmeralda. If you enjoyed listening today, we'd love to have you subscribe to this podcast and share with friends. If you really enjoyed our discussion, you can find more behind-the-scenes content, a peek at our research notes, and even entire bonus episodes on Patreon. Each month, we release a full after-hours episode where we discuss the movies we cover in each episode unfiltered and unrestrained, along with behind-the-scenes extras and notes. You can reach us on social media. Links to all our platforms can be found in our About section. Until next time, this has been Damsels in Dialogue. Have a nice day. This podcast is sponsored by Royal Princess Parties, LLC, and is produced by Hello Out There Audio, part of Hello Out There Productions. 